Welcome to the Real Raw You podcast. I'm your host, Katie Duda, a certified nutrition and digestive health coach, sharing with you how to navigate the noisy wellness world that exists today by cutting through it with an anti-diet science-backed approach. So honored that you're here. Let's get into it. If you love high-intensity interval exercise and are also dealing with gut issues, listen up, my friends. This episode is exactly the one for you. In about 15 minutes, I'm going to do my very best to keep it under that. I'm going to walk you through why HIIT exercise training for females with gut or hormonal imbalances actually ends up making your gut and hormonal imbalances worse rather than tapping into that fat burning and metabolic health, all those juicy benefits that high intensity interval training can have when done properly and on the right individuals. But unfortunately, the data is extremely flawed and we're going to dive into really why it's flawed, what's, what's wrong with it, and specifically talk about at a biochemical level, what happens with HIIT training and why this is detrimental for people who have gut issues. So maybe you're dealing with constipation. You are very prone to become constipated like one travel weekend and you're totally thrown off. Or maybe you have the other end of the spectrum where you have really loose stools like almost constantly. Maybe you're constantly bloated all the time, like extremely bloated, right? I've talked about in previous shows how to know when it's dangerous and when it's a sign that something deeper is going on. A little bit of bloating immediately after a meal, normal, fine. Chronic bloating all the time or progressively bloating getting worse and worse throughout the day, sign that something deeper is going on. Luckily, we can really drill it down into four kind of major themes that are going on. And so check out that previous episode 65, I believe, for um, bloating if that is something of interest to you. You could also be dealing with uh, food sensitivities or skin issues. You could also be dealing with a lot of brain fog or anxiety, a lot of um, mental components, right, that we're not traditionally from a conventional perspective or society doesn't look at when you're coming in for anxiety or have a lot of brain fog, like you just can't really put the pieces together of how your day went or you just feel like you're kind of in the clouds throughout the day. That is a tried and true sign that there is inflammation and dysbiosis going on in the gut and those nerves and neurotransmitters are being sent up to the brain. So absolutely connected. All things that are saying, hey, your gut needs a little bit of extra TLC and additionally hormonal imbalances, right? They go hand in hand. So the gut is responsible for processing through excess estrogen. When there's an imbalance in the gut and it can't properly do that, now we have excess estrogen floating around and a whole other host of hormonal imbalances that cascade from that. So the gut and hormones are intricately connected and we need to talk about specifically exercise and how to support your gut on your gut healing journey and not make your matters worse, right? You're putting all this time and effort into helping heal your gut. You're diving into these podcasts, hoping to help heal yourself. And so let's let's talk about exercise because I guarantee you that you have not been um, educated on how maybe the exercise that you're doing is actually causing more harm than good. So though these HIIT sessions can really pack in an efficient workout, right? I love me a good HIIT workout. I was like that girl that was at Barry's boot camp six times a week. It's 
really easy to go overboard with it, right? And I think we as a society have become really obsessed with metrics uh, in all aspects from Instagram likes and follows to the number on the scale to how many calories our Apple Watch tells us we've burned. And we've kind of gotten to this dangerous trap where myself included, that we don't really count quote unquote exercise unless we look and feel a certain way. Like we're drenched in sweat and our Apple Watch validated that it was a crazy workout. But we're really bypassing ourselves in the process, right? And not actually tuning in and asking, how did we feel during that workout? Were there ever moments where we were pushing ourselves too, too hard and our body was like, I want to tap out? How were you feeling throughout the day, right? Exercise should energize you and not deplete you. And so if you're extremely exhausted throughout the rest of the day, your cravings are ravenous, you are so sore to the point where you have a problem sitting down to go to the bathroom or walking, like those are real, real dangerous kind of signals that your body's giving you that it is chronically burnt out and stressed out and needs a break. So that's a sign that you're overdoing it. And and then when we're in that camp, it's really hard to kind of get out of that vicious cycle, right? When the only thing we've really known to validate our worth is how we look and how we look is achieved by how we exercise. And so I want to just encourage you if you're on that path, I too was there for so, so long, like pretty much since I was a little girl, I remember sadly um, being able to manipulate the way I look. And I was just doing that through exercise and food. And that carried into well into my 20s and into my late 20s. And it wasn't until I was really faced with the decision of, do you want to be able to have a family someday? Um, And that was, you know, ultimately becoming a mom has completely changed me for the better and grew me into the person that I am today. And, um, you know, I believe that timing and the way in which God gives you blessings is strategic and so beautiful and perfect. But, um, you know, had I been given that news earlier, I might not have been willing or receptive to receiving it and being willing to make those changes to my lifestyle. But I was, and I was willing to cut back on the type of exercise and get more rest and put on more weight because we wanted a family. And so I don't know what, where you're at in your journey right now um, and what, what trials you're being faced with. But I just want to encourage you that your body is so smart and so many of us spend way too much of our day outside of our own body. We've kind of even lost touch of who we are. And so I'm going to give you some tips for while you start your day to really tune inward, to let your body be the guide and compass of what type of workout to do. Because once you start to honor that consistently and earn your body starts to trust yourself, you start to trust your body and it really just starts to work hand in hand. And these decisions become more seamless because the number one question I get is, well, can you give me a exact workout regimen that I should be doing? And I can't because I don't know your individual circumstances, but I can give you some generalized themes of like how much is too much for really anybody, especially in the camp of a menstruating female who's dealing with gut and hormonal imbalances, which I want to say is like the vast majority of us, given the demands and the stressors and where we're pulled in a million different directions. It's really easy to have our gut flare up with all the stress if we're not mindfully taking care of it, right? And then if exercise is really our only outlet for dealing with that stress, which is a great outlet. I love exercise. Let me just caveat. I love moving my body. I feel like I'm a better mom and a better coworker and a better wife when I work out in the morning and take care of me. But 
I'm talking about the type of exercise and that all exercise counts, not just the high intensity ones. So when we're overexerting ourselves during HIIT training, really what's happening is our stress hormone cortisol gets ramped up, right? It's, it's a stressful situation. Your body feels like it's under attack. And when done, you know, properly under 20 minutes or less and under, I'd say, call it three times a week or less, it has, you know, profound effects. But unfortunately, the majority of the research that's been conducted on HIIT, Tabata, fasting, keto, all of these really extreme types of exercise and dieting are all done on middle-aged sedentary males. And then they expect that that those results can trans- translate seamlessly over to the female menstruating population who deal with four different phases throughout a 30-day cycle of form- hormonal inf- fluctuations, which is entirely just silly that we could say someone who has a constant throughout the 30 days, 365, testosterone remains the same. Their, you know, estrogens remaining the same. They're having kind of the same level of energy, all things considered, to, to someone who has massive swings. It's just, it's just not true. We just we cannot apply that to the female population. But majority of females don't realize that the the they were excluded from the research. Like headlines are not going to call that out. So it's very flawed and we just have to be, we have to take, you know, matters into our own hands and really ask questions and um, demand, you know, basically better data, honestly. Um, and so when this, when cortisol is ramped up on an already stressed out body and there's already inflammation going on with your gut, what happens is it actually can make your body cling to fat. And so the opposite happens and that I see all the time, like, these women that come to me are dealing with a lot of belly fat in the midsection that's seemingly kind of come on over the last couple of years. And we dive into, you know, their exercise has ramped up and their food has cut back because they're trying to target the belly fat. And so they think by exercising more and eating less, that's the solution. And it's absolutely not. It's having the inverse effects, uh, which is like, really frustrating because you're working so hard and then it's like I just should work out harder and harder and then you continue to actually see more belly fat cling on so your body is in survival mode and it's holding on to what it has and it's in just a hyper state of sympathetic overdrive which is your fight or flight and research also shows that hit hit training can ramp and mess up the composition of your gut bacteria. So further kind of dividing and creating more dysbiosis in the body, which is not what we want. And so when we're pushing ourselves too hard, it also, from a gut-based perspective, can loosen the intestinal barrier, which I've talked about at length on my Leaky Gut podcast. The intestinal barrier essentially is the lining of your digestive tract, which is only one cell thick. It can become loose quite easily through a plethora of things such as alcohol, stress, food, environmental toxins, you name it. Additionally, too much high-intensity interval training because why that cortisol stress hormone starts to break down that intestinal barrier. And that is when that becomes loose, now we have food, bacteria, and other crap starting to leak into your digestive system, which that should not be. And now we deal with Leaky gut, which is a whole nother topic, but leaky gut or intestinal permeability is kind of the the start of then when we're starting to see all that bloating and that inflammation and those food intolerances, right? Like 
majority of people come and say I'm intolerant to eggs and almonds and and gluten and dairy and soy and basically everything that they ate the night before they took the test, which just tells me that their gut is in a heightened state of inflammation. And so anything they eat, regardless if they actually have an intolerance to it or not, is just going to show up on that test. So it means nothing. So if you're dealing with GI issues, it's critically important that you get the right type of exercise for your body. I'm talking about these kind of more easy on the body modalities into your workout schedule in order to help support your gut. But why is the question, right? Well, these high intensity circuits are not just hard on your hamstrings, but they're also incredibly taxing on your gut like we've talked about. During these high intensity workouts on a mechanical level, and I talk about this also when I say to remove all distractions and really try to be mindful and present during meals and not stressed out is because your body is like a car. So the gas and the brake, right? You can't press them simultaneously. I don't know what would happen, but I'm pretty sure nothing good would. The same thing happens when you're trying to digest your food, but you're also stressed out. So in order to digest our food properly and for everything to work as it should, our body has to be in the parasympathetic state, which is our rest and digest. And that's activated through deep belly breathing, through mindfulness, yoga, walking, um, hot, cold shower therapy, and meditation. And so being able to take three deep belly breaths before meals, making sure that you are absolutely not working during your meals via emails, via phone calls, via social media, really nothing distracting you other than you just being present with your meal and expressing gratitude, that's going to set you up for the best possibility of digesting. The same thing happens, right? It's no different when we're working out, our body's also under stress. And so the blood flow diverts away from the digestive tract and into the muscles, basically in order to help you power through. And that means as you start to sweat and it pours down your face while you're crushing those sprints or burpees, your digestive system is also slowing down, which can cause delayed problems afterwards, which I I see a lot of times like clients who struggle with constipation, especially while traveling, will then just ramp up the high intensity interval training because they want to help kind of quote unquote get things moving. But unfortunately, it actually slows things down further. And so when we're doing these box jumps and these burpees, they're causing inflammation which signals the stress response in the body, right? Cortisol. So when we have these pre-existing inflammatory markers and stress going on in the body, which I'd argue is almost every single female, coupled with a poor gut health, which typically go hand in hand because the gut can become disrupted by too much stress and inflammation in the body. Now we're just adding fire to the fire with more stress-producing exercise, right? And it's only going to further kind of exacerbate those gut-based issues and slow down your healing process. So what do we do? What do we do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So low-intensity exercises must become a part of your training routine. I don't know where you are today in terms of the cadence and how often you're exercising and specifically doing this HIIT training. So if you're coming from six days a week, you absolutely are way too much overdoing it. I love, and specifically even drilling down further, if you are in the camp where you're trying to conceive or you're dealing with secondary amenorrhea and you're not getting a period, I want all clients to actually cut back entirely and move to just low-intensity exercise until they can conceive and have a healthy period again. 
uh, even if you have a history of distorted eating like myself and a history of secondary amenorrhea, even just a run or one day a week of a high intensity class can be too much for your body during this time because it remembers. So wherever you're at, I don't know. I can't give you that. I mean, two days a week max from a high intensity interval training, 20 minutes, no more. So even on the Peloton cycling, like a 20 minute class, if they're, if they're, you know, going through series of hit and Tabata periods, like that's, that's really all you need. And then ramping up your strength training is awesome. So we still want to be moving our bodies and I love strength training and it's, it's so good for bone health, for muscle health, for the muscular skeletal connection for our neurological development. A lot of people don't realize the strength training component on that. And it still releases all those yummy, delicious serotonin and epinephrine. So we're getting all those amazing endorphins, but we're not taxing our bodies. So two days a week of strength training, two days max of HIIT training. Again, if you're not doing HIIT training, then, then you're fine. But if you've made it this far in the podcast, you probably are. And then two days of yoga is awesome, right? So we're doing on off. Like if you're doing HIIT training, never doing them back to back, like spacing them out, similar to spacing out your strength training. So your strength training on Monday, maybe you do yoga on Tuesday, maybe you do a HIIT training Wednesday, maybe you do another yoga Thursday, maybe you do uh, a HIIT training Friday, and then the, the weekends are just for nice long hikes. There's so much to say about just lacing up your sneakers and going out for a nice long walk, especially going up a nice long hill, up a hill on a nice long walk, getting out into the sunshine, rebalancing your circadian rhythms with that fresh air in nature, listening to a podcast for their educating and developing your brain, all good things. So never underestimate the power of a good long walk. So I hope that this was a science-rooted excuse for you to not only do the workouts that you love, but also to start skipping the ones that you don't. So there's no need to, you know, listen to this and say, wow, I have to skip hit entirely. You don't, but you do need to cut back. And when done properly, like I said, 20 minutes maximum, there are major benefits from an energy and mood boosting perspective but when you're not experiencing GI problems. So can you work your way back to maybe three times a week? Sure. But depending on where you're at in the spectrum, and again, I don't know, I'm just talking to a microphone and there's a lot of, you know, women that listen to this that are varying from the spectrum of the where they're at with their gut-based issues and their hormonal imbalances and where they're at on their journey with the trials that they're currently facing. But I would say in general, making sure that you're alternating, never doing high-intensity classes back-to-back, and you should look forward to your workouts. So rather than dreading them, you should honor your body if it needs rest. So in the morning when you're having that undivided, uninterrupted 20 minutes for yourself where you're exposing your, your, your face to sunlight before artificial light. You're not looking at emails or texts before you've hydrated, said a prayer, and declared three things you're grateful for. Maybe one thing you want to get done for you. Also tune inward and say, what workout do I have scheduled today? And does that feel good for me? As you start the workout, if there's any type of pain or stress or exhaustion, that's a sign you can always give yourself permission to stop and go for a walk. Do yoga instead. 
If you're exhausted throughout the day after that workout where you were drenched in sweat, that's also a tried and true sign that you did it too much. But then further, you're exhausted throughout the day, you did too much. Make sure you're intermixing low impact and high impact and never really meeting more than that two times per week is my suggestion, truly, if you want to heal. And it's also a great time to take more mindfulness into your day and just coming back inward. So many, like I said at the beginning, tune outward and we just go through the motions. We're an autopilot. We do things based on the schedule, not based on how we feel. And you can apply that to any aspect of life, nutritional, exercise, uh, spiritual, career decisions. We just kind of operate out of what we think we should do versus what we know deep down to be true and right for us. So let this be permission for you to be unapologetically you, to listen to what your body needs and know that your body is working so damn hard at all times throughout the day to have you be at that internal kind of thermostat set point. So if you're dealing with overweight, your body's working really, really hard actually to help fight that weight, but there's something blocking you from being able to do that. And it's not just as easy as cutting out the calories and upping the exercise because you've probably already done that. It's deeper than that. It's likely that you're overstressed and that you are not doing the right type of exercise for your body. So when you start to just live in authentic alignment in all areas of your life, you'll watch the power of the healing and watch your body start to just prove to you how miraculous it truly is. I'm sending you so much love. I'll see you same time, same place next time. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Raw You podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to check out more episodes and consider subscribing to my weekly newsletter where I share the latest cutting edge research tips and tricks all to help support you on your healing journey. You can sign up in the show notes below to join in on my community so that you can get that exclusive content, discounts on packages, and so much more. And if you're ready to take your healing to the next level, you can learn more about my individual one-on-one health coaching packages at therealrawyou.com. And lastly, I would love it if you left a review of the show. I read every single one of them and deeply appreciate all types of feedback as it helps inform the type of content that I create here for you on a weekly basis. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope you have a beautiful day.